0: If you would ask me, what do you think is the biggest problem that people have that you've found? I'd say it's pride. and That's what I would challenge people. You've got to learn to be like Job. In Job 42, Job falls down and repents in dust and ashes. And he says, now I see you for who you are. You can do all things. In other words, you know everything. You can do anything. And he came to recognize that he knew nothing compared to God.
1: Hey, and welcome to Zero Compromise, helping you stand for truth in a world that falls for lies. I'm Patricia Engler, joined here at the Creation Museum by Jessica D. Ford, aka JJ. Hello. And Rocket Rod.
2: Web. Hey guys, and we have part two of an amazing conversation for you today. So what's going on, JJ? We are continuing the conversation with Ken Ham, founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, and the Ark Encounter.
3: Yes, yeah, so because Ken Ham is so awesome, we had to have him on for part two, <laughs> and also because he's a busy guy, so we want to make sure we take advantage of the time we have with him. So make sure you guys like, subscribe, and share again, like we said in the last one, uh, so we can get this message out to as many people as possible. And so let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation we were having. So in the last episode, we were talking about your testimony leading up to the Creation Museum and all. Of the Red Sea moments. Talk a little bit about some of the Red Sea moments you had leading up to the Ark encounter.
0: Oh wow! Yes, we had. You know what's interesting? One of the things I've I've seen. You know, I, I talked in the last episode that we did about stepping out to order. worth of books. Well, first of all, going full-time into the ministry with Mm -hmm. with no guaranteed salary, ordering $20,000 worth of books and how the money came in for that and looking for a vehicle and how the money came in for that and so on. We had many Red Sea moments, what we call Red Sea moments. You know, you're there. You don't know how you're going to cross the Red Sea. You know, you've got Pharaoh and his men behind you. What are we going to do? And then then God miraculously opens away. And I've seen that happen many, many times. But here's a problem. Right. As the ministry gets bigger and grows, one of the problems is as Red Sea moments get bigger. And you look back at the times when it was, you know, twenty thousand dollars and that was a Red Sea moment, you know, how are we gonna get that money? And as God entrusts more to you over time, he expects you to be prepared to do bigger things and trust him in bigger ways and he brings along bigger battles so we had many battles over the years but then as he takes you through battles and you're prepared to step out and do things you know i notice the battles get bigger and he is trusting you to be prepared to step out in bigger battles so to give you one example for the ark encounter and it was interesting The the devil really tried to stop us building the Ark. Just he tried to stop us building the Creation Museum in many, many ways. We have all sorts of opposition from from without, from the secular world, and from within the church as well. But with the Ark Encounter, without going into too much detail, it's sort of a long story. But the only way to build the Ark, we had to get all the money at once because if you didn't how do you build a wooden structure and you know we realized stephen of the creation museum we sort of built it as the money came in mm-hmm. sort of gradually yeah by mi- over millions of years it seemed like <laughs> it seemed <laughs> like millions of years but it wasn't millions of years but with the Ark, we realized we had to get this money and we needed to raise well we, we actually when we opened the the Ark, we had to have raised about 120 million dollars 120 wow. million dollars that's a big step uh, up from the twenty thousand yeah, initially. Yeah, from twenty thousand initially. And then the Creation Museum, when we first asked for funds for it, it was it was less than twenty million. Uh, so and then we gradually increased that a bit too. So one of the ways we were going to do this was with a bond offering, which is really people giving us loans. And it was our own supporters who actually funded the bond offering. Bond offering of sixty-five million. The rest had to come from donations. And so we set about to raise the donations and and to raise a bond offering. Now the bond offering was going to enable us to. To get going. So this is still a step of faith. We didn't have all the money when when we were going to build this, but we knew if we had 65 million, we could get this well underway and we'd trust God to bring the, the other funds in by donations. And so, you know, to, to make this work, when we did the bond offering and, and we had to do it, you know, legally and properly and so on, and with all that was required of that. So there came a time when we would there was a cutoff date. And if you didn't have a certain percentage of that bond offering uh, by that cutoff date, then the whole thing fell through. And so we had all these people tell us, oh, yes, we'll support the bond offering. And we had probably twice as much as we would need from people telling us that. But then what happened was there was a reporter and, and, and and a reporter with Bloomberg, I believe it was, and wrote some scathing articles against us and accused us of all sorts of false things the trouble is when you're in a bond offering you're not able to say anything so we couldn't say anything to refute these and they were just wrong they were false allegations but we also found out later there were there were atheists working behind the scenes to try to stop us one of the attorneys for one of the uh, well-known atheist groups in america actually tried to come and get all the material and so on and register for a bond offering and they were doing it just to try to stop us Mm. and so and there's other things that they did as well and so because of what happened you know when when you've got money invested in these financial organizations and some invested with them then they have to agree to transfer it to you you just can't transfer money from some of these these groups and they wouldn't transfer money to us to a a number of institutions that were all willing to do this for the bond offering suddenly pulled out so all these people found they couldn't even use their own money to support us. They weren't able to do it. And so we found out we were thirteen million dollars short. Oh wow. no. And we had seven days to go before the final cutoff.
1: I thought exam and week was stressful, but that's that's a <laughs> yeah. worse deadline.
0: It was thirteen million. <laughs> wow. And time. I remember sitting with Joe Boone, who was the head of advancement, and saying, you know, if God is in this, I just don't believe God's brought us this far with all we've done to for this to fall through. If God's in this somehow, I have no idea how somehow is going to provide this. And so I said, we just need, our responsibility is to tell people. And so we started calling people we knew, uh, meeting with people and sharing with them. And I remember meeting with a supporter in, in Nashville. What happened was there was one foundation that, that we talked to and they called us and said, look, by the rules of our foundation, we can only loan you a certain amount of money. And uh, we've already 7 million in, but we we will put another Four in that's a max we can do, but that gets it down below thirteen to nine, and they said that's to help try it because if it's below if it's below ten, they said we think people will will um, will see you know there's, there's a possible end here, and so I thought okay we're down to nine million, you know, that's all just just nine, 9 million, million. <laughs> and uh, then I met someone I remember in Nashville met with him and he said well I'll I'll do a million, and uh, so these were these were loans you know as part of the bond offering. And anyway, we, we came so so we're down to eight, and then other people with what they're willing to do. Oh, what uh, two days two days before, and we're down to seven.
1: Okay, mm,
0: wow. Still. What do okay. we do now? <laughs> so I remember someone um, and uh, from a foundation who said, if ever uh, you know if you get into trouble, just give me a call. So I called him and said, look, here's where we're at. He said, let me let me talk to everyone got back and he said, well, let me let me know by you know by tomorrow how's it going, what you got. And I, I, that's when I called him and said, we're down to seven. And he said, um, okay, let me get back to you. And they got back to us and they said, we'll do the seven. <laughs> now you say, oh, sigh of relief. No, 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 no. <laughs> because, you see, the cutoff was at, I think it was 5 p.m. on the Monday, right? And so all that money has to get there by then. Wow. And some of it was smaller amounts making up, you know, another million and Mm -hmm. and that. And Joe Boone was sitting in the office of the bank waiting because if it didn't come in, then the whole thing fell through. It's
1: like a movie scene. I know. That's what I
0: was thinking. And 30 minutes before the cutoff – final amount of money came wow Wow.
2: that is a red sea moment seriously so cool and
3: just going through that depending on god having faith in god not compromising continue to staying strong that's that's gotta be hard (laughs) i
0: mean that's easier said than done right (laughs) uh I, i tell you that was it was stressful you realize if that hadn't come in within that 30 minutes there, that the ark wouldn't exist?
3: Right. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just, That's again, that's the awesome God that we serve. Yeah. I mean, I just keep thinking that again and again. Just that's the amazing God that we serve. And he says, have faith in me. Of course, also be responsible. And I'm going to take care of you. And I'm right. going to take care of your mission. And and like you say a lot in your Fire in My Bones DVD of, you know, you just felt, you felt called that God was leading you to do this. And you were like, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. Right. Even though you had so many times where you could have easily given up. I believe 99% of people probably would have given up in that position, but you kept going. So
2: I have a
1: burning question, though. So, Ooh, burning question. <laughs> I know. So that's on good. this note, we're talking about like stepping out in faith and doing scary, basically impossible things because you believe that's what God has called you to do. So there might be some young people watching who also maybe have a sense that they want to do something and it's scary. But how do you know if it's God or if it's just you? Mm.
0: That's a very good question. You know. Yeah. Um, Really good question, and um, I'll answer that in a couple of different ways. Okay. First of all, you know, on Deck 2 of the Ark, we have an exhibit called Who Was Noah? And that exhibit is all about calling. And we talk about the fact that we use artistic license in that exhibit, but the exhibit is... Saying, you know, Noah was a few hundred years old when God called him to build the ark. And he didn't say, What's an ark?
2: <laughs> right. He,
0: he, he didn't say, How do you build a ship? That's not recorded in scripture in, anywhere. And it scripture just says, And Noah get, did all that God commanded him to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So our suggestion is maybe Noah was already a shipbuilder. Mm-hmm. Maybe God had already trained him ready for the ministry. And, you know, they'll work as a bronze and iron within seven generations of Adam. So, you know, he. He had technology, maybe technology better than what we could ever imagine, who knows. But the idea of that exhibit is to challenge people, how has God prepared you for ministry? You know, I look back on my own life, the parents he gave me to bring me up, all the experiences traveling around, my father's a teacher, different towns, churches that were liberal and because, you know, we we're in little country towns, I only had one church and my father defending the Christian faith, and then you know evolution taught in the church, and then what happened at uh, school, when I went to high school and evolution taught there, and then in the university, and, and then someone giving me some books that gave me some answers, and, and then as a teacher, all of that, I look, God used all of that to prepare me for this ministry. And he gave me a gift of teaching, I believe that is the, the gift that God's given me, and an entrepreneurial spirit. And I would, I would say something else, so first of all, you've got to say, is God calling me to do something? You know, what, what is he calling me to do? When my wife and I were talking about whether I should go full-time into this ministry, and this was back in 1979, and we had said, Lord, we'll do this, but, you know, we don't know how it's going to happen. And, well, I'm going to leave a good job. And, you know, I, I believe we got to the stage where we were 98% telling God we're willing to do this. But God needs you to get to 100%. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we were traveling in a car out, out to our favorite little country town, Dolby, where I started teaching to visit some friends. And my wife started reading Matthew 6. And we'd been talking about what should we do, what should we do. And she read Matthew 6, and it talks about if God so looks after the lilies of the field, how much more would he look after you? And it was on that trip, and we prayed in the car as we were driving, I didn't shut my eyes. I was the driver. (laughs) I'm sure the other drivers
1: appreciated that. Yeah, that's that's I'm sure God um, is okay with that.
0: (laughs) And um, I didn't have enough faith to shut my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. You're at 99%, not the 100 just yet. (laughs) Well, that would be irresponsible. We
2: don't endorse traffic with your
1: eyes
0: closed. We prayed. I believe that's the time where we said, you know what, Lord, we actually really mean it. If you want us to go full-time, I'll go full-time. And we had a real peace about that, and then that's when I stepped out and went and told the principal of the school that I believed I I had to resign um, to come into this ministry. It's interesting, because he said to me, well, wait a minute, this is in the middle of well it was October and the sort of the middle of a term and you can't just leave the kids up in the air and all that and he said, Well, I find there mightn't be a teacher available. So then he called me back, I don't know, a couple of days later and said, There's a science teacher actually applied for a job at this school and he said, So you can go. It's not a problem. And you know what's interesting? It was uh so I so I then officially resigned and all that and then, I don't know, I think it was three weeks, two, three weeks later, the principal contacted me and this is before I'd I'd left and he said, Would you reconsider Your resignation, you see, because that teacher pulled out. Now, that was an interesting test because I had to say, okay, is this God telling me not to do this or is this the devil trying to stop me from doing it? Is this Mm -hmm. the Lord testing me? And I thought, you know what? We made that commitment. We made it. We prayed. And when I went and resigned, the answer was yes. And I talked about it with Mally, and we said, you know what? There's just so many things that I believe I'm not meant to do. That We just need to pray God will provide a teacher, which he did actually. Uh, we we found out he provided a um, teacher, but we made that step. And so you've got to look at the – the. I, I think, you know, number one, you've got to tell the Lord you're willing 100% right. to go where he wants you to go, do what he wants you to do. I did that as a little child when I was about 10 years old, and we had this missionary that my parents had brought in. And – he said, for those of you who want to commit your lives to the Lord and go wherever he wants you to go and do whatever he wants you to do to, to sign this piece of paper. So it wasn't just a commitment, yes, I, I trust the Lord, what my parents trained me in. It was, I want to go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do. I found out many years after we were married, actually, that my wife, uh, she didn't grow up in a Christian home like me, but her mother sent her to Sunday school. Sunday school, she heard the gospel. And probably about the same time as that happened with me, she heard the gospel and she said, Lord, if, if you did that for me, I want to go where you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do. And she made wow. the same commitment. Yeah. And wow. then God brought us together and then That's cool. when we were driving in the car that time we, and we made the commitment Lord we want to do what you want us to do and uh, it's a dangerous thing to do and to mean that because he might bring you to answers and genesis
3: <laughs> <laughs> and of course not saying for anyone listening right if if uh, you don't have to go in the full-time ministry you can't you don't have to come work for answers in genesis you really you can be faithful in whatever position you're in just be faithful to god and his calling for you I, and, I really and
0: you that. know what you might Have a business that you can use to support Genesis. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Because there are many people out there that uh, they look on it that, hey, God called me to build this business and now they're using it to support Answers in Genesis. Mm-hmm. So
3: Yeah, and I, I know all three of us, uh, Ken, you've had a huge impact on all of our lives. And I, and I know for you, Patricia, right? Um, you kind of saw Ken when you were in your younger days. That's right. And-
1: yeah. Yeah, I grew up just homeschooling in Canada um, and kind of thought I'd maybe study science or go on adventures, be a missionary, something like that, be an explorer or a spy. You know, there's options. <laughs> yeah, <Spy. laughs> Spot, <throw laughs> was up there. there. <laughs> so then um, I get to this homeschool conference and there's this guy named Ken Ham speaking. I'm like, oh, listen, because he has a cool accent and then um (laughs) and then you're telling me like all this stuff about genesis and up till then i kind of thought that creation science was basically a hobby for retired people honestly like it was for people who liked rocks but i didn't think that it mattered but when you explained how everything that i knew to be important depended on genesis my mind was so blown and i was like this is the most important thing in the universe i want to be an apologetic speaker like ken ham with a less cool accent but that's okay and then canadian um, accent yeah i mean it's something at least so then um I remember, I don't talk about
0: that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I remember thinking like Why aren't all my friends Like also wanting to do Apologetics ministry forever And that was kind of the moment I'm like I guess this is What I'm called to do Never thought I'd get to be here Yeah, yeah. Especially being a Canadian But yeah the Lord Really you never know How he's going to work
3: yeah. yeah
2: absolutely Yeah I was rooted in evolution First when I When I was first The Lord was convicting me Slowly of God's word And that there's no neutrality That I needed to stand On the authority of God's word And I have heard I had heard of the ministry But didn't really Look into it much And then um, the Lord was Convicting me that I couldn't have one foot in the secular world, one foot in a biblical world. I needed to live all of my life for the Lord. And then he used his word to do that. And I then had started listening to answers in Genesis a lot. And I actually came up here on a uh, bus tour with VCY Ministry from Wisconsin. And that was the first time I'd ever been to the Ark. And before that trip, actually, my um, older brother had showed me the job for um, my current position. And I was just, that was my 98%. I was like, that sounds cool, but I don't know that I want to do that, Lord. But then I came on the trip. I saw the Ark. I took a creepy picture yes. of you. <laughs> <laughs> you were in a meet and greet and I didn't stand in the line to meet you, but I took a picture and then walked away and was like, that's Ken Ham. <laughs> but after that trip, you had a live on Facebook of job opportunities and the position for what I have now was still available. And I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, well, I mean, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to apply. And I applied and I'm just so thankful for the impact that Answers in Genesis has had in my life. You and your faithfulness to Christ is just so admirable and it helps so many people around the world to stand on the authority of God's word.
3: Yeah, very similar to JJ. Um, I wasn't a believer my whole life. I came to faith in Christ in 2011 or no, 2012. I mean, about a year after getting into the industry. And so I, I like like JJ, I was used to the evolution, big bang, millions of years. That's what the hedges learned in university, and I was a brand new Christian. I was trying to figure out how do I mix these ideas, these secular ideas with what I'm reading in the Bible. Um, when I decided to buy my first Bible, I'm like, where do I start? I guess I'll start in Genesis 1. That makes sense, right? At the beginning of the Bible. So I started reading that. I remember being in the industry, hearing about you and ICR and some of these other guys out there and answers in Genesis. And I'm like, all right, I'll give, give it a shot, kind of check it out. And at, at first I was like, how could a Christian believe that the earth is only thousands of years old? It just, I just, it blew my mind. And then I remember hearing one of your talks talking about just the the relevance of Genesis, right? Where do we put our authority? And if we accept millions of years, we're accepting millions of years of death and suffering before Adam sin. And really that just blew my mind. I was like, wow, okay, I, I need to go back. And then I remember watching you and Bill and I debate 2014. I think that was really the, the moment I started switching my whole perspective on everything and really believing God's word versus man's word. And so long story short, um, it what well, wasn't the accent that, <laughs> that brought me here that attracted <laughs> Me, but so, but ju- just your just your stance on biblical authority. I mean, I just I just really I I really ad- admire that. Uh, and I wanted to figure out how can I be a part of this ministry. And, and at the time, back in 2020, 2021, the whole aerospace industry at the time was just going completely woke and critical race theory and and all sorts of different things. And so I was already kind of leaning towards leaving anyways and trying to go into full time ministry. And and for me, it was a huge faith jump, just like with what JJ was talking about. You know, there was happened to be a writer position open on Answers in Genesis. I had decided to apply, and I didn't think anything was going to happen from that. And then, long story short, you know, a few months later, I'm flying out to Kentucky, meet with Ken Ham, and all these things started coming about. And I just kept thinking, like, of ways of, God, how can I get out of this? Like, do I really want to do this? I was 98% <laughs> sure, but I wasn't quite sure I wanted to move out and leave my whole family behind from Arizona, because I was born and raised in Arizona. Both my wife and I were. All of our family are there. Like, this is a huge deal for us. Um, I'm going to be making a lot less money than, <laughs> than I was before as well. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. It was, a uh, long story short, I just had to trust God and have faith in Him that He was going to provide for us.
2: Yeah, you've inspired so many people just to stand on the authority of God's Word. And that, that's our goal with this podcast, too. Do you have any advice that you would want to give young people to stand on the authority of God's Word?
0: Oh, there's a lot of things I yeah. could say. Um, you know, if you were to ask me a question, what do you think is the biggest problem that people have that you've found? And I'd say it's pride. We've all got that pride problem because we've got that sin problem. And if you think about it, a big pride problem is we would rather trust man's word than God's word. And that's a big pride problem. And we have got to learn to be like Job. And that's what I would challenge people. You've got to learn to be like Job, who he was going to argue with God. And then God started talking to Job and said, but do you know this and that and this and that? And were you there with this? And do you know how this happens? Then in Job 42, Job falls down and repents in dust and ashes. And he says, now I see you for who you are. You, you can do all things. In other words, you know everything. You you can do anything. Uh, you know with with you nothing is impossible and he came to recognize that he knew nothing compared to God it's only God who knows everything and so first of all we've got to swallow that human pride that problem we have because our sin nature if you go back to Genesis 3 1 and Genesis 3 5 the temptation was did God really say and you can become as God and so that represents our sin nature because that's what we responded to in Adam and so our nature is we would rather trust man's word than God's word we'd rather question God's word and we We want to be our own God. We want to assign things for ourselves. And you know, there's other ways in which that comes out too. And one of the things I've seen is so many people whose ministry is destroyed because they have their own personal agendas. They think that they know best. They think that, you know, they want to do what they want to do. And like for the Ministry of Answers in Genesis, we've always got to look at this is God's ministry. It's not our ministry. It is God's ministry. So what is best for God's ministry? Not what's best for me. What's best for God's ministry? And that reminds me of what my mother always taught us, God first, others second, yourself last. And if you want to be faithful to the Lord, then you always need to ask him, what do you want me to do? And, you know, there, there are organizations And I've seen it in this organization where there are people God's given talents to and they're there and the the ministry can grow and it can outgrow your talents, outgrow your gifts. You've got to be prepared to recognize that. And you've got to be prepared to recognize and say, okay, I can't take this to the next level. I need to be content where I am or God's going to show me something else, but somebody else needs to take this. But too many people sometimes don't want to admit that. And they still want to think that they can do it. You, you've got to look at your own limitations. You've got to look at who you are, what God has called you to do, what he's equipped you to do. And it's like in this ministry, you know, I, I can't be a CFO. Uh, I can't be an IT person. But we want to have good people there to do that. Uh, and so uh, that's another thing that people have to rec- recognize is, what does God call me to do? And I can't be something he hasn't called me to be. So there's a lot of things I could talk about. You know, we could go on for millions of years talking <laughs> talking about those things but um i i think for for a lot of people their ministry is destroyed because they're more looking at themselves and they get this pride about themselves and their position don't ever be like that or always recognize always put others before yourself and and look at others and help others and I, i look on here even at this ministry we have some really wonderful godly people who work in housekeeping you know how important they are to this ministry because one of the one of the reasons people come back to the ark and the creation museum is because of the cleanliness in bathrooms that's the number one thing i always hear from people and so you see god has called them to do that and equipped them to do that now maybe god will uh, take some of them, like the young lady that does my uh, illustrations for my talks, she started in housekeeping. Then we found out later on she had a graphic arts degree, and and now she's one of our lead illustrators yep. here for for my uh, my talks. But maybe God hasn't called you to do that. Maybe God's called you to be, you know, in in the warehouse or as an IT person or in housekeeping or whatever it is that He's called you to be. And you know, we, we can continue to seek and say, Lord, is there something else I can do? And maybe mm-hmm. He uses that to train you and and to see if you're willing to do things that then he can take you to another level as well so that's where we have to be content in all circumstances mm-hmm. but we all you know my my father always taught us whatever you do do is under the lord and yeah, we read that in colossians um, we read in other places scripture too but he would always put everything he could into who he was as a school teacher, or when he preached in church and he was a lay preacher, he would really prepare carefully. Be, we're doing this for the Lord. We're going to do the best we can. And you'll notice here at the Ark and the Creation Museum, uh, and that was Patrick Marsh's uh, worldview as well, mm-hmm. and that is whatever we do, we're doing it for the Lord. So why shouldn't we do it the best? we can
3: that's some solid advice there and we have a couple more resources here we want to show you guys if you guys want to learn more about this and and really the heartbeat of our ministry here
0: well I'd say um, this really is a cutting edge message for today's culture Mm -hmm. you know why are we losing generations from the church why is a culture so secular why is the church not impacting the culture like it should and it's really all about the foundational teaching of Genesis 1-11 to that it's the foundation for everything I would say that's the cutting edge message for Christians today and then going hand in hand with that is creation to babel it's a commentary on genesis 1 to 11 it's a very unique, unique commentary point. it's yeah. a verse by verse commentary but you know one of the reasons it's so unique you can understand it you know how you get <laughs> you know how you get some of these commentaries and they're very difficult to understand mm-hmm. yeah but this is a verse by verse commentary answering the most asked questions i've been asked in 40 years about genesis but giving the foundation uh for everything and Great so family it's, devotional you know, it's family time. You devotional you could use that and yep. Exactly. There you go.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing We Just really appreciate your time and, of course, all the work you do and um, how all of us are here because of it. So Mm -hmm. thanks again for coming on. We hope you tune into uh, our next episode and tap into those resources.
2: And meanwhile, please keep standing on the truth of God's word with Zero Compromise. See you guys later.
3: God bless.